0: this is my mom's podcast do you know where your food comes from no like really when you look at your plate can you say i grew this or i raised that by becoming our own resource we can connect to our roots and reconnect to source so here in this podcast we talk about all things self-sustainability self-accountability and spirituality and how they all tie in together. This is Dandelions Aren't Weeds. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I chose not to release an episode last week in the midst of Mercury Retrograde and the full moon. Um, I was did in. I was done for last week and I needed a moment to recollect myself. And I also deal with seasonal depression, and it's been in the negative double digits for a few days in a row now, and that's really starting to kick in. So, um, I also had my birthday this past weekend. I'm officially 30 years old, and it feels great. I feel like the last five years of my 20s, I dealt with so many different trials and tribulations that were really hard and even dark at times. But they truly shaped me into the person that I feel like I'm meant to be and I feel like I'm fully and unapologetically in alignment with my purpose. That being said, today we are talking all about the steps you can take this year to become more self-sustainable. When I asked for feedback on Instagram of what topics you guys were interested in hearing about, this is something that... Um, was kind of like a reoccurring theme. There seems to be a misconception about self-sustainability and people seem to think it needs to be all or nothing. And I'm going to emphasize right now, release that expectation from your brain, okay? Nothing with homesteading in any way, shape, or form has to be all or nothing. And that's the point. You can pick and choose what you believe would be more self-sustainable for your family and just what makes sense in general for you might be different for somebody else. I don't ever expect myself to never get Starbucks again or order pizza delivery. But the point of this is to help you realize where things are coming from, how much they cost, Are they ethically sourced or transported? Can you do those things yourself to have a connection to the resource or to be the resource? So today we are going to go over a handful of things that can help you become the resource. The first thing on our list is pretty obvious. I feel like most of you could probably guess it. And that is grow your own food. Plant shit put a seed in the ground, and watch it grow. It sounds super simple, doesn't it? You know what's funny? When I have people ask me about starting a garden, I hear a lot the all, I don't have a green thumb excuse. And that's a fucking (laughs) cop-out. Everyone is absolutely capable of growing something, whether that's vegetables, herbs, whatever. Um... If you are killing your plants, you're doing something wrong, okay? So, it's a process of elimination. It, you know, it could be getting too much or too little sun, too much or too little water, soil issue, issues, pests, etc. Like there there are factors to growing things and something along the line just needs adjusting, and that's it. So, everybody is fully capable of growing food. What are some ways you can grow food? If you don't have the space, I feel like that is probably the most asked question. You can grow things indoors. Every single person should have some sort of like kitchen herbs. And let me say, herbs were the first thing that I ever grew. Um, Before we even moved into this house, I had a few herbs for the kitchen. And the feeling that I got from cutting my first few basil leaves to, like, put on a piece of p- pizza, um, it was an amazing feeling. And all of a sudden, you are the resource. Like, it's so simple. Do you know how much basil costs or, like, herbs from the grocery store? It's outrageous. There's, like, f- four fucking leaves in, like, a little box of herbs and you're growing it for pennies compared to what you'd be buying. You can also grow lettuce, any sort of like leafy green, mesclun mix, microgreens. Those can all be grown inside. You don't need a ton of space to do that. And what I want to point out is don't waste your money on marketed grow lights because you can just use like LED shop lights. They're a lot less expensive you just want to make sure that the lumens which is like how light is measured um, is high enough for growing plants so really all you need is seed starting mix seed cells or sometimes I'll even use solo cups I usually use those more for like transplanting but you can start seeds in there as well and light and that's all you need to grow food My first year, I set it up on my kitchen counter. I hung the light from the cabinets above and it worked just fine. So if you're spending time on like Pinterest or Instagram, looking at all these different gardeners and homesteaders, there is this aesthetic of elaborate seed starting stations and shelves. You don't need that, especially when you're starting out. No one starts there. Don't let the idea of somebody growing food on like this huge scale hinder you from just starting a handful of herbs from your kitchen. Just fucking grow it and do what works best for you. If you don't have space or a yard for an outdoor garden, look into community garden spaces. Most areas will have community garden plots for rent. Get your family and friends in on it. You can all take turns going in, watering, and maintaining the plants, and you can share the harvest. Number two on our list is start cooking from scratch. If you have a fucking kitchen, you can do this. Period. (laughs) Make it fun. Turn on some music or a good podcast and have fun with it. By using singular ingredients like veggies, for example, The act of like chopping them up, seasoning them, and creating a dish still connects you to your food, even if you didn't grow those things firsthand, versus buying like a pre made dinner that you just throw in the microwave. When you are cooking from scratch, you have more control over what's going into it. And cooking and baking is just like a muscle that gets stronger over time. Speaking of that, I know she's going to hate me, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. (laughs) My best friend growing up, um, first time she made mac and cheese. I mean, this isn't really baking from scratch or cooking from scratch, but it's a funny food story. So um, she made mac and cheese for the first time. And it was interesting to say the least. I think we were probably like sixth or seventh grade at the time. It was basically like, Noodles that weren't fully cooked, in in milk, <laughs> like it looked like noodle cereal, and um, little chunks of like the powdered cheese in there. She <laughs> looked at me, <laughs> and she's like, "You're gonna eat it, and you're gonna like it." <laughs> and uh, fast forward to today, she's a much better cook. So it's just something that takes practice over time. I, like many of you, grew up on, like, easy meals in a box, okay? Like Hamburger Helper, Marie Callender Pot Pies. This is something that everybody is fully capable of. You learn what you like, you learn what seasonings work best with what foods. And honestly, when I'm cooking, I rarely measure. Baking, yes, I measure more so than cooking, but... I kind of just go off of like intuition, memory, if it's like a dish I make all the time or just like constantly taste testing. So some of my favorite things to cook from scratch are stir fries, pancakes, various soups, chilies, pizza. We do homemade pizza just about every Friday night. Um, And that's a fun thing. You can get the whole family involved with and the kids like to kind of decorate the pizza and it's just more fun for them and I feel like if there are veggies on it and they won't typically eat veggies, um, what I will do is I'll let my son put all the stuff he wants on the pizza and then I'll sneak some veggies in there before I put it in the oven and just kind of cover it with cheese so he has no idea. <laughs> What he doesn't know won't hurt him, right? And bread. Bread is a huge one. We go through a lot of bread in our house. I could eat bread and butter every single day of my life. I probably shouldn't, but, you know, whatever. And I typically will bake, like, one to two loaves a week. If I, for some reason, don't have time, we have an Amish woman that lives down the road from us that we buy our bread from. And, yeah, just nothing. I repeat, nothing is better than freshly baked bread. The next thing on our list is foraging for local medicinal plants. This is something that I frequently talk about, and it is also something that is frequently overlooked when talking about self-sustainability. While foraging for medicine or food, correct plant identification is the most important thing. The best way to really get familiar with your wild medicinal plants is to focus on like two or three of them at a time and really study them, study their appearance, study their properties, study how to use them and be aware of their look likes If they have any things that might be toxic that look like that plant, those things are very important when you are foraging. And also focus on things that are local to you, things that you're going to see on a regular basis. The best way to become immersed into herbalism is to physically forage your own plants. I know that I'm extremely lucky to have four and a half acres full of wild medicinal plants at my disposal. And I realize not everybody has that. That being said, there are plenty of places that you can forage like trails, parks, reserves, just be aware of if those places have been sprayed with pesticides or not, and make sure you're allowed to forage there, obviously. Um, The best thing about foraging is it is 100% free. And in my opinion, um, it's a free therapy session. (laughs) It's, It's one of the best ways to connect with the land and to kind of refill yourself and spend time in nature. The next thing on our list is get some egg-laying chickens. I did not realize how many eggs our family truly consumed until we got egg layers. We, I would say, consume about a dozen eggs a week, give or take, probably more now because I'm baking and cooking from scratch. When you have your first egg from the chickens you've raised, there's no going back. (laughs) The look and taste of store-bought eggs are absolutely trash compared to farm-fresh eggs. There's just no comparison. Um, They're so bland. My son, my four-year-old son, refuses to eat them most of the time. He can tell the difference between the two. So having chickens is also a great way for your kids to get involved with their relationship to their food. And, you know, my son will, like, ask for certain chickens' eggs uh, for breakfast. Like, he'll call out their names and he can identify, you know, which egg is theirs. And so it's a lot more personal because of that. 2022 is going to be another big year for new chicken owners. So stay tuned for some chicken-related episodes coming up. Next we have preserve your food. Preserving your food is a huge step in creating bulk in your pantry and your freezer. And here in Minnesota, seasonal eating is huge. While eating things fresh from the garden is great, and I make sure that I do that. But it's always in the back of my mind as far as what's gonna be preserved for the colder months. And it honestly, it doesn't even have to be things that you grew it yourself. For example, you can make your own applesauce. You get a couple bags of apples from the store, peel and core them, throw them in the crock pot, add some cinnamon, and you have applesauce. Okay. It doesn't need to be complicated. And Not only do you have less shit in there, like high fructose corn syrup and sugar, but it saves you money. And I do a good amount of canning, but I also freeze a lot of things because it's quicker and easier. But also, you can dehydrate or dry things like herbs for your spice cabinet. If you are starting out, one thing that you should be planting in your garden is herbs. And... The easiest way to preserve them is to dry them. And you know, like before I started a garden and growing my own food, I never really paid attention to prices of, of things um, because I was just going to get it anyway. But when you're growing them yourself, you realize how expensive shit actually is. And spices are fucking expensive. Like a 3 in a half ounce of McCormick brand dried oregano retails at like 7.29. That's unreal. You could literally grow that for pennies. Preserving, like I've said in a previous episode, is something that I'm really going to be focusing on this year. I have a Pinterest board full of canning and preserving recipes. Of things that I'm growing. So that way I'm not scrambling the day I'm ready to preserve something and trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. I'm way too ADHD for that. I need things to be set in place ahead of time. Otherwise, they are not going to get done. So grow some pickling cucumbers and make those damn pickles. The next thing I'd like to talk about is start composting. Composting is something that I started doing last year. With chickens, it's almost essential to have a compost pile because where is all that shit going to go? It just is a waste to throw it in your garbage can or burn it. So all the chicken bedding and poop, grass clippings, etc. get thrown in our composting pile outside. And inside, I do have like a small compost can under the sink and that's where I'll throw in, like, kitchen scraps and stuff like that. And I'll usually let them compost down a little bit, and then I'll go dump it outside in the pile. One thing that I didn't do, which I'm super pissed about looking back, is we didn't use our used coffee grounds for the compost. We go through so many <laughs> coffee grounds. It's a, it's an embarrassing amount. So, that's not something I'm going to gloss over this year. So, um... But last year, there was an extreme drought here, and it was super hot and so, so dry. The compost pile outside was super slow moving. It needs to stay damp to help things decompose. So the lack of moisture in there kept it really stagnant. And from time to time, I'd bring out buckets of water, but honestly, it wasn't consistently enough to get it moving. You also need to make sure to turn it every so often. So this fall, when I was getting ready to put the garlic in the garden for overwintering, the very bottom layer of our pile was just about ready. So I just took a small amount of that and amended the soil for the garlic. And before the snow came for the winter, we put a bunch of grass clippings from our last mow of the season and... Dried leaves, and that's what's currently sitting on top of the compost pile. And it's currently covered in snow as well. So, when the last time I checked it, I think was mid December, we had a couple 30 degree days, and I dug a little bit into it. And it is composting down in the middle, so it is pretty warm in there, too. So, I'm feeling really good about it. I'm hoping that the majority of it is ready in the spring for the garden expansion that we're doing. There are many different types of composting methods and bins. You could even do like a turning bin in your garage. And whether or not you want to use it yourself, gardeners are always looking for compost, so you can monetize that and sell it to your local gardeners. Which brings us to our last point, and that is Connecting with local homesteaders, gardeners, and farmers. Make like-minded friends. Instagram has been really great for connecting with like-minded people who are living a slower and more intentional life. I've made so many great connections on there, and a lot of these people I consider my good friends now. Why is this important? Sometimes you might run out of something, or you want to swap harvests, or you need help processing your chickens or canning your tomatoes these are your people these people get it I've gotten a lot of comments from friends and clients of mine over the last year um, things like I couldn't do that or why would you grill that it's easier to just buy it and that shit makes me cringe but the most annoying thing that I hear super consistently is, oh, you're just a farm girl now, huh? Like, what? One, I don't consider myself a farmer by any means. If you do, that's fine. I When I go to the grocery store, I got my chore boots on with chicken shit on the bottom of them. I have dirt under my nails in the spring, summer, and fall. My child watches me call our roosters And we show our gratitude and appreciation for them. I'm not the same person as I was before this. If I was, (laughs) I wouldn't be doing it right, okay? The shit that some people care about, I don't even think twice about anymore. You know who understands that? My friends who homestead. The people who are wanting a more self-sustainable life for themselves and their families. The people who realize, oh shit. Maybe our healthcare system is fucked. Maybe our food industry is a disaster. Maybe we can take back our power and be responsible for ourselves and our own health. It's not a conspiracy, people. Our mind, body, and soul is fucking broken. That is a fact. The amount of chemicals and toxic ingredients specifically in the foods in the U.S. is banned in other countries. Do you not think that's suspicious? This is going to be a big year for taking back our power and doing things that are going to better ourselves and better the future for following generations. And that really is what self-sustainability is all about. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you guys enjoy the show, make sure to share it with your friends and family, give it five stars or leave a review. I'll see you guys next week. This is Dandelions Aren't Weeds.